Welcome to Mountain Crypto. Today we're going to do a special on Crypto Mark of the Beast. A little bit of a flashback there. Remember this song from uh, Iron Maiden? So anyway, some people think that crypto is the mark of the beast. Is that true? They base it on a scripture, and this is not going to be a um, you know a religious sermon or anything. We're going to look at how this relates to crypto and coinage, but. Uh, it says in Revelation chapter 13, verse 15, in uh, El Biblico, He was granted power, this beast, to cause everyone to worship him or get killed. And it says, let him who has wisdom, in verse 18, calculate the number of the beast, for the number of a man, his number is 666. And it says that in verse 17, that anyone that does not receive the mark of the beast on their forehead or on their right hand will be able to buy or sell, except for those that have the mark of the beast. So, the best way to answer that question is to take a look. Let me turn this off. <laughs> to take a look at the history of money. And, um,. So a lot of people are saying, well, you know, if you use uh, crypto, that's the mark of the beast because it's not money. Well, if you look at the history of money, money has been around since the beginning of time. Um, and before money, people would buy and trade and sell. There's almost 200 currencies in the world right now, but there's only really one international money. And that would be cryptocurrency. And that is based on mathematical um uh, it's a mathematical currency if you want to get down to the basic things. So the scary truth about governments and Bitcoin, because people are afraid that the government's going to use um, coinage to control people. And, the, and does government want to control people? I think that's pretty much a given. Um, so there is an indication that, that the governments are looking into using um, crypto coins to advance their own interest. And that's why we're seeing that, you know, the government's trying to take more control over cryptocurrency and um, be able to have a hand in that. So instead of destroying Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, they might actually try to use it for their own good, so to speak. As, uh, as they say, if you can't uh, beat them, then join them, right? And that's, that's the approach that the government uh, seems to be taking now They're to some level here, especially in this country, in U.S., so, um, it this thing about Bitcoin and or cryptocurrency and the mark of the beast leads many people who are interested in the Bible or have heard about this scripture to speculate what role cryptocurrency or Bitcoin will play in fulfilling Bible prophecy. So, money has always been a medium of exchange since the beginning of time. And then, at some point... Um, People before money, you know, used in a in a uh, in a numeral 
fashion where this object is worth this much. Um, what they call pneumatic, um, uh, newsmatic type coins, I guess is how you pronounce it. I used to collect coins and I don't even know the word that well. So, But basically what you have here is in the beginning of time, people would barter, right? So if you are have sheep and I'm a farmer, then I want some wool for clothing, we're going to trade. But at some point, people started to use other things. Um, we've heard of uh, wampum here in, in America, which is shells were used. And then eventually there was trading beads. And, um, you know, there was a value placed to those beads for every wrap around the hand and such. Um, and then, you know, in the, in the Midwest, um, they used copper, actual raw copper. They would use uh, stones, rocks, things of this sort. And these things had a perceived value to them. Um, people would trade furs and things of this sort, which is kind of a bartering, a bartering. But if you didn't have something to barter with, you couldn't buy or sell, right? So eventually things came into play that were more a commodity that fell into the category of money, like the shekel. Um, it represented a specific weight of barley and the weight of a sack of barley. So you would have a shekel. A lot of times it would have the image of a shekel kind of imprinted on it. And then that stood for a value that you would have of that. And you could get yourself some of that, the barley. Um, it's impossible to find out the true origin of money. Um, but, uh, you know, we have some history. And we'll go through it real briefly. It's kind of interesting. Take a look at money. Um, how it works, what it is, and then look at the overview on the topic of today's discussion. Is Bitcoin or cryptocurrency a mark of the beast? Um, historically, money predates the invention of coinage um, in ancient Greek, or excuse me, Egypt, Babylon, India, and China. Temples and palaces often had um, commodity warehouses which issued certificates of deposit as evidence of a claim upon a portion of goods stored in the warehouses. Because these claim tickets could be redeemed at the warehouse for a commodity they represented, they were able to barter these in the markets as if they were a commodity. Um, so while not the oldest form of money exchange, various metals, both coin, precious metals, were needed in both barter systems and monetary systems, and the historical use of medicals provides some of the clearest illustration of how the barter systems gave birth to the monetary systems, such as the Romans' use of bronze um, and bronze coins and other types of coins. So they would issue these and they had a value on them. If you're familiar with the history of Rome, you can still buy Roman coins from the time of you know, um, Christ for not that much money. You know, you think, oh my gosh, they're 2,000 years old and they have Caesar's imprint on them. They must cost thousands of dollars. I don't know, a few years ago I looked at them and you could get some of them for as cheap as like 20 bucks. So they printed these things out endlessly. Um, and uh, at some point, people didn't believe in the value anymore and they became kind of worthless. Um, and that's why you could still find them, you know, people who are pretty sharp can still find them in, in streets and areas today. And they sell for so really cheap. So when you look at the history of coin, you know, you have the prehistory, you have the Stone Age, you have um, 
400 CE um, to earlier, to about 31 CE, where you had standardized coinings, you had the Roman um, banking system. From about uh, 4400 to 1450 you had medieval coins and money of account, banknotes, trade bills at exchange. You had tallies or tallies. Um, you had, after that, you had goldsmith bankers, demand deposits, banknotes, and then finally we have um, many other forms of purchasing things, including cryptocurrencies down to uh, starting about uh, 2008. It's when it first showed up on the scene. Uh, really didn't get very popular for a few years after that, but you can date back to, to that time. So we got the bartering system. Um, we've got the Bronze Age, where you have commodity money, credit, and debit. And that's what we're going to concentrate on, even though there's a lot more history to money. Because this is the time that... Uh, uh, around and before and after when that scripture was written, um, you had the Mesopotamian civilization, which developed a large-scale economy based on the commodity of money. The shekel, again, which first was uh, recorded about uh, 3000 BCE. It had a uh, certain weight, and uh, it referred to a certain weight of barley, and equivalent amounts of uh, silver, bronze, and copper would also give value to purchase things, a said value by the government, and that was accepted by the society of that time. When metals were available, they were favored as a uh, proto-money over such commodities as cattle, um, shells, salt, because the metals were durable, they were portable, they were easily, easily divisible. Back in the Spaniard times, it would actually cut the money up, and that's where you hear that term, pieces of eight, they would cut up a, uh, uh, I guess a doubloon or whatever it was, and cut it up into up to eight pieces. And then around the fourth millennium BC, uh, Egyptians used gold bars as a set weight, a medium, and exchange. And uh, this had been done earlier in Mesopotamia with the silver bars that we talked about. Then up to about uh, 400 CE, more standardized coinage came into place. I pulled this off of uh, Wikipedia. You've got a, uh, a drachma right here with a turtle. And then you've got a uh, one sister coin from, from Lydia. And I'm not really sure the pronunciation, but they're one of the first ones that actually issued a coin that um, was just basically valued on its um, said value of what it is. Not necessarily that the metal was worth that much, but kind of uh, backed, I guess you could say, by the government. So around 1000 BCE, um, that's when the first coinages were showing up in uh, China and some of these other areas that we've discussed. Then uh, also, there, when the temple was built in Rome, there was a worship of... Monita, and uh, this was recorded around uh, 413, and the temple was consecrated to the same goddess and built in the earlier part of the 4th century. Four centuries, the temple contained the mint of Rome and the name of the goddess. It became a source of numerous words in English language, including the words money and mint. So you can see that 
from the earliest uh, times, money did have a, a tie-in to worship and such. Um, it was important for the civilization and organization and trading and for government to be able to have their hand in to what was going on out there in the uh, in the cities and marketplaces and stuff like that. And therefore, they could begin taxation. So, um, pretty much makes sense. Then, finally came along banknotes. We're going to move along history here. The Song Dynasty in China, about 11th century, there was banknotes. That's when they first started. About the 7th century, um, there was paper currency in merchant receipts. Um, as early as 618 to 907 through the Tang Dynasty. And also, they did this because um, they didn't want to have to carry so much copper around. They're making bigger purchases and such. And, um, you know, you don't want to carry hundreds, thousands of pounds of copper. These trade bills of exchange, the main purpose was um, also traveling with these cash coins was dangerous at the time. So it was kind of a, a early form of credit. And uh, but yet it became both an exchange a medium and a storage of value. So they would take this um, to the place where they were, and then they would be able to get money or um, credit or whatever. Tallies. Um, this also was another accepted form of money. A symbol could represent something of valuable that would be payable. Usually something that was physically stored somewhere else, such as grain or uh, something of that sort. So this promissory note or bill of exchange was a document ordering someone to pay a certain sum of money to another on a specific date or when certain conditions were fulfilled. So kind of like a smart contract. If you are into crypto and you know what a smart contract is, that's kind of following that line of thinking. In the early 17th century, the goldsmith bankers were there and these scriveners were first kept as deposits to express a purpose of relending them. So again, they were scripted out um, for showing the value of gold and such. They were promissory notes and um, used in that sense in Britain. And it was um, primarily like the creation of new money based on credit. Demand deposits. Um, as long as an account balance is sufficient to cover the amount of withdrawal, a withdrawal takes place in accordance with procedures set by a financial institution and the funds can be withdrawn on demand. Banknotes we've already gone over, but the first European banknotes were issued by Stockholm's Banco, a predecessor of the Bank of Sweden in 1661. So that's kind of like predecessor to paper money as we know it today somewhat or banknotes more accurately and then as we said 2018 cryptocurrencies now there's other forms of types of payment too to buy and sell with um, you've got here in America you've got Amazon pay you can use that to buy things you got Apple pay on your phone if you want to buy something on your phone you got to use Apple pay you got BitPay. Um, that's a way of using cryptocurrency. You got credit call, which uh, can be used online, uh, point of sale, or mobile. You've got first data, which is another point of sale payment. You got Heartland, Heartland payment systems in the United States. Um, you've got PayPal. Everybody's aware of PayPal in the early days of eBay. That was a way that people would accept payment to buy goods. Um, Payoneer, Payment Wall, PaySpan, 
Square, have you ever used a Square payment? That's a payment system um, which takes money out of your bank or out of your credit card and then um, actually is processed to buy and sell goods. Verifone also is a point of sale. WePay, there's many others. What about credit cards? Credit cards are another way of buying and selling. You have American Express, Discover, MasterCard, Visa, um, you got uh, Capital One, Chase, Citibank, Credit One, First Premier, Green Dot, prepaid cards. You got prepaid cards. You got Ready Debit. You got Rush Credit Card. You got U.S. Bank. Um, you got so credit cards, debit cards, credit um, transactions, bank transactions, EFTs, electronic fund transfers. You got Apple Pay again. You got digital wallet, prepaid card, gift cards, payment methods, receipts with credits. Sometimes people just write a credit on a receipt. You got all these different ways of making payments. And really, what does it end up being? It's all on paper. How many people who are reading that scripture will not buy something because it's based on not on a coin or a currency. What is a coin or a currency? It's only what you say it is. Same thing with a credit card. It's only what you say it is. Same thing with a debit card or a money order. Or It's only the value that everybody accepts it as, right? Yeah. Um, there's digital wallets, gift cards, wire transfers, all of these different ways of making payment. So how is Bitcoin any different than that? Um, it's really not because you can have a paper wallet and you can um, you have a paper trail of what you have just as anything else. And when you um, make a transaction, you can get a copy of that or electronic. How many people even get a receipt when they go buy something with their debit card anymore? Most people don't, right? So they don't even have a paper. They don't even have a piece of paper. What is a paper money worth? It's it's not worth anything. It's a promissory note. It's 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 fiat. It means nothing. Um, so the government already has control over all these forms of payment. Every single one of them. So if you're using it, then you're already um, accepting the mark of the beast. I guess you could say, right? Technically, but. What back to the scripture? <laughs> um, it is just a way of stating value. I mean, most of these tokens are not even for buying and selling. Really, they're they're more like an investment or a uh, utility token, right? Um, let's look at the scripture again. It says. To buy and sell is that that's what the beast tries to do is stop people from buying and selling but if you notice at verse um, chapter 13 verse 15 it says about this beast he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast because there's two beasts in this if you read the whole thing and the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. It's about worship. Buying and selling, it, it, it's not about the money. It's if you don't worship the beast, they're not going to let you buy and sell. 
That's that's the thing. The mark, whether it's symbolic or literal, is not is not um, the point. The point is always in the Bible is about worship. So, if you're worshiping Bitcoin, then I guess you've accepted the mark of the beast. If you're compromising your values that you have to buy something or to sell something, then I guess you've accepted the mark of the beast. But throughout history, people have used all these different things to buy and sell and make transactions um, used as money or currency or to uh, measure something of exchange or value. And Bitcoin falls into that and cryptocurrency falls into that same category. So I really feel like, uh, you know, you're not accepting the mark of the beast um, by investing in these things and using these things, it is what is going to happen. It is coming into play, and um, 10, 20 years from now, who knows what will happen to traditional currencies and things of this value or, or things of this sort. So anyway, I hope you found that a little bit interesting, a little quick history on currency, um, how it's used, how it's created, um, and a little fun look at uh, somebody's, you know, look at, uh, is, it the, is Bitcoin a sign of the times and the end of the world? Well, it might be a sign of the times, but I don't think it's the end of the world, and I don't think you're worshiping the beast if you are involved in Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. So with that, I'm your, Shane, I'm your, <laughs> I'm your host, Shane Ripley, with Mountain Crypto, over and out.